0: Hi, it's Joe.
1: Hi, friends. Aislinn here.
0: And we want to welcome you to the second half of season three of Dinner Table Talks.
1: We are so glad that you're here at our table with us, and we are looking forward to all of the great talks that we're going to have. If you enjoy what you hear, tell a friend. Grab a drink and get your most comfortable chair.
0: Pull it up to the table because we're about to get into it.
1: That it would be really, really, really cool. Yeah. I'll do an Instagram post where I ask, where are you from? Listeners of the podcast, go on there and tell us where you're from. Do you understand what I'm asking for? I
0: totally do. A couple weeks ago, I looked up how many, you know,
1: yeah, 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 the, yeah.
0: see if we had any Ukrainian listeners.
1: Yes. That was exciting.
0: So yeah, that'd be great to know.
1: I just want to know because I know that it's starting to like shift to where there's more people that are connecting with us somehow from other places I know personally with my own gardening stuff, of course, I'm hearing things from people from different places. Got to know a conversation with a lady from Dallas just the other day about gardening and timing and things are different there than they are here, but it's still in Texas. Right. I'm curious about who's picking up on the podcast. I want to know where you're from.
0: I'm going to interrupt you. Because we have a lot of... Please house- do, I
1: was just wondering. We have a lot of
0: housekeeping to do. <laughs>
1: yes, yes. Ah, when did we become a podcast with housekeeping?
0: Exactly. I,
1: okay, the first thing... <laughs> We're not thing- very good at housekeeping, by the way. I mean, we get it done, but it's not what we want to do. <laughs> the
0: first thing is the Dinner Table Talk Salon.
1: All right, all right. So if that's the housekeeping, then here we are, an opportunity to discuss something really cool rather than an obligation to... To make sure that you know all of the things that we want you to still be involved in on the podcast. Because the Dinner Table Talk Salon, it's a big deal, you guys. Yeah.
0: Imagine the podcast, but you're eating at the table with us.
1: Right. And to be clear, we're not going to record the podcast that night. No. We're not wasting our time on that business. We're going to spend I wouldn't spend be able to time. enjoy myself. Yeah. That would be too much. Yeah, no. Well, it's just not... That's not what we're doing. We're recreating the actual dinner table where we created this podcast. We created the podcast at the dinner table with our children.
0: I'm bringing my record player over. So if you come, bring a couple of your favorite records.
1: So we're going to turn on the record player. We're going
0: to create a soundtrack.
1: We're going to serve up the delicious foods that we talk about. I've
0: locked in two items. I don't want to tell you what they are yet.
1: Uh, Stay tuned. And we have described this a few episodes back. What is a salon? But basically, it's a group of people getting together for a long dinner with lots of interesting educational conversation, an idea think tank dinner table, which honestly, I think that that is what our dinner table was, which is the reason why we ended up starting a podcast that we call Dinner Table Talks, because that's what we create in our household and that's what we create with our friends. So here we are putting on the live Dinner Table Talks. I'm
0: getting really excited about it.
1: Yeah, me too. And we're going to serve you some of those delicious farm-to-table foods that you hear us talking about all of the time. Okay, don't spoil it. Don't tell us what we're, we're going to have for sure, but tell us the types of things you might throw out there for a dinner table talk salon in the future.
0: The two items that I've locked down on, uh-huh. we have talked about on the show. Of course. I, I don't want to say anything.
1: Oh, come on. Let's talk about it. Fried rice someday.
0: Oh, yeah. Someday we'll do a fried rice one. Exactly. Because this is going to have to be a recurring thing. Chicken
1: wings. We're going to do chicken wings uh, someday.
0: Uh, if we continue on down this track, <laughs> yes. through the process of elimination, some things might be revealed that I am not ready to reveal.
1: Okie dokie. I feel you.
0: <laughs> I'm learned really was, so
1: excited. All
0: that they learned was that there's two things they know they're not going to get. But <laughs> if you want to come... It is a very small table. There are a few tickets left.
1: That's right. Just a few tickets left. That's how we do it. That's how we keep it a great, intimate conversation.
0: It will be very close to the top of the scroll for any of our social media.
1: Send us a message and we'll direct send you the link to buy the tickets.
0: Or you can go to AselinCampbell.com.
1: Exactly. It's May the 6th. It's in the evening. So you'll get about... I think we set it up to where you'll have about an hour. So you're going to catch sunset. So you'll get to see the farm at sunset. And then we're gonna have dinner in the pavilion. The cool outdoor lights will come on, and it'll be just a very nice night at the farm.
0: And if you don't live in our area, somewhere near you, within a short drive, is some kind of farm to table dining experience.
1: Absolutely. Find Look it. out for them. And if you happen to be wanting to go somewhere on a vacation, Come to the southern coastal bend of Texas, come to Port Aransas, to Rockport, come to Corpus Christi, and then make sure you time it perfectly with an amazing dinner table, farm to table, something here at Freedom Harvest Farms.
0: Number two in the housekeeping department.
1: Ah, there's more.
0: Next week, we'll tell you the finalists in our Name This Chicken thing.
1: Oh, we're naming a chicken. And this has been fun so far. I've really liked how people have gotten Fantastic into Fantastic
0: suggestions.
1: Yes, I love it.
0: I'm glad that we're putting it up for a vote so that I don't have to choose.
1: Exactly. So if you're listening and you haven't given us a name yet, throw a name at us.
0: Now, the main thing is on Facebook. But if you're not on Facebook, you can just send us a DM.
1: Yeah, I'll put something up on Instagram as well. So you'll be able to see it over there too.
0: Now... Three episodes ago, we had the bright idea of raising some money for two local nonprofits.
1: Ah, this turned out to be just one of those perfect, like, collisions, alignments of great conversations at the dinner table.
0: It has changed a little bit. Yes. It's going to be on your website, AislinnCampbell.com. Yes. And we've decided on $2,022.
1: That's the goal. In
0: 2022. Yes. So between now and December 31st. We want to raise $2,022.
1: At least.
0: Now, we are going to split that money evenly between two local nonprofits.
1: Yeah, because what you heard a few episodes ago was that we got asked the question, like, if we had a certain amount of money, what would we give to a nonprofit and which nonprofits would we choose? And we had a great conversation and Joe chose case space. Right. And I chose, of course, Grow Local South Texas because Grow Local South Texas, the learning garden or anything that's involved in like local food, but whatever, all of those are super important things to me. But more importantly than that, I'm the founder of Grow Local South Texas. That means (laughs) if I'm raising money for somebody, I'm raising money for Grow Local South Texas. And
0: I'll tell you about K-Space. That's right. The Contemporary Art Collective Group Museum. It is one of our favorite places to go.
1: So this is a really important one to us, and it doesn't really matter where you live. If you're listening to this, and you support us and the things that we value, then help us out by throwing a few dollars towards the nonprofits that mean something to us in our local community.
0: And if you do live near us, what a fun way to donate to these two
1: great groups. I know. I love it. I love it. I love
0: it. Housekeeping is over. Ooh. Questions. questions. you asked for this <laughs> one of my favorite things about the podcast is how something that we talked about two or three weeks ago will turn into a multi-week conversation uh-huh this started when we had leftover goat right so i made goat cigarelli cigarelli uh-huh. something like that that was that leftover goat meat re-braised over some cooked greens Then that turned into which one of the greens did I not like? (laughs) Right. And we might talk about goat again tonight.
1: Well, there's been a lot of goat in our life lately. And greens, for that matter.
0: And you said, you know, we really do need to come up with a pronunciation of that and get it correct. Yeah. Here is how it's pronounced.
1: Cigarelli. I could just imagine Francesco saying this. We should... (laughs) I love this so much. Cigarelli. 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 I just mostly want to sound like her. She sounds so. Cigarelli. Cigarelli.
0: (laughs) Now, this unanswered question from last week, I was ashamed of.
1: (laughs) You were ashamed of.
0: Now, remember we recreated that jazz song that would be my theme song when I walk into rooms? (laughs) I said it was John Coltrane or Miles Davis. Uh huh. And the moment that we were done recording, I remembered. What it was. It is John Coltrane. But let me tell you, I need to explain why <laughs> I like jazz. Yes. I own both of these songs on vinyl. Yes. They will be played at the Dinner Table Talk Salon.
1: That's why our children, when they were 12 years old, the boys called us hipsters. Oh, yeah. Because, because you listen to jazz. <laughs> I, was jazz. <laughs> I was like, y'all are funny. Fine.
0: I'm a hipster. Total hipster. I don't
1: You're think too I'm hipster. old to be a I, exactly. hipster. Exactly. I That's, think that was your reply. I said that.
0: <laughs> John Coltrane made the album Blue Train in January of 1958. Miles Davis made Kind of Blue in 1959. If I wasn't on mic, it would have just come to me.
1: Oh, of course. You understand?
0: Oh. So my theme song is, (laughs) shut up, John Coltrane's Blue Train. Now we can't play it here for you now because we don't have that license, but I will certainly post it on our Facebook and we've already posted your DMX answer already.
1: Well, while you're talking about blue trains and blue things, well, let's talk about blue zones.
0: What a transition.
1: <laughs> Good job, me.
0: We were talking about how Cretan cuisine, ingredients and preparing methods that have been used on the Isle of Crete, which is the healthiest place on earth when it comes to lack of disease. Now, you mentioned a term last week. Right. That the I blue zones. I'm not familiar with it. Yes. I am yes. more familiar with it now.
1: What did you find out when you were looking it up?
0: Blue zones are regions of the world thought to have a higher than usual number of people who live much longer than average.
1: National Geographic did an entire magazine about the blue zones that I had. I actually don't have it anymore. And I think I probably cut it up because I will put it on vision boards and stuff like that. But it was an entire magazine about the blue zones. These
0: are like pinpoint specific Mm -hmm. locations of a lower rate of people
1: that live longer.
0: Would you like to hear the five? Yes. Okinawa, Japan. Uh Uh-huh. Sardinia, Italy, uh-huh. Nicoya in Costa Rica,
1: uh-huh.
0: Icara in Greece. Uh-huh. I looked it up very near Crete. and Loma, Linda, California, in the United States. Yeah, this concept came up just prior two thousand and four when data came in about Sardinia's Nuoro province as the region with the in the world with the highest concentration of male centenarians, people that are hundred years or older.
1: right. Okay. This is what I was thinking about last episode. I believe they went into Sardinia and specifically looked at how COVID was affecting that community.
0: Because this was known to be... So it
1: got brought up in conversation. Blue Zones got brought up in conversation. Because Italy was a space where they were having early and fast um, loss of life for the pandemic.
0: So I focused on the American one. Out of curiosity, Mm -hmm. Loma Linda, a city in San Bernardino County, California... The population's roughly 24,000 people. It's a pinpoint Mm -hmm. of older, high quality of life folks. Mm -hmm. The tagline of the city is a city focused on health and prosperity. Mm -hmm. Loma Linda is home to one of the largest concentration of Seventh-day Adventists in the world.
1: Ah, that's interesting. Yep.
0: And this increase in lifespan Mm -hmm. based on health Mm -hmm. and high quality of life is 100% attributed to the fact that this is a cluster of Seventh-day Adventists.
1: Do you remember early in our relationship when we would go up to San Antonio Mm -hmm. and there was a restaurant called Green or...
0: Yeah, in the Pearl Market.
1: Yes. At that time, I was either eating at an extremely expensive farm-to-table restaurant, eating the meat there, or we were eating vegetarian, or I was picking vegetarian dishes off of a menu that didn't really have vegetarian options. did not cater to that lifestyle. Right. So Joe and I are trying out restaurants and we're talking to everyone because that's what we do. And we end up talking to the owner, one of the owners and a family that owns that restaurant. Right. And they, they want to know anybody that's interested in, in vegetarian sure. food, especially at that time, because they're literally breaking boundaries with this particular restaurant. And we talk about the way that they prepare their vegetarian chili. They're like remaking different things to have hot dogs and you know they had everything they had cupcakes and hot dogs and all the things you might not think of with vegetarian but they are Seventh-day Adventists and, Well, we've
0: been back since and it's very popular
1: right and they have more they have more locations now mm-hmm. so that was one of my first indicators that I began to understand more about Seventh-day Adventists and that their lifestyle was a little bit different
0: Now, here's why I might want to look at one of the other countries' blue zones, because in the other countries' blue zones, it's not going to be a high population of Seventh-day Adventists. And I think that if you look at all five of them, you're going to begin seeing a set of kind of lifestyles. Right. Now, this one is led by how Seventh-day Adventists are largely a vegetarian community because of their interpretations of the Bible and what is clean and unclean food.
1: Right. I think minimally when you eat more vegetables, mm-hmm. you're just generally healthy, especially when you're talking about Americans. What so they? in the American diet. And and that's it's not fair to say necessarily that across the board because in Brazil they eat a lot of beef, you know, like there are places where diet is heavy meat. It's just a different quality of heavy meat. But I think that an important part of the conversation is looking at your right, looking at the comparisons and seeing is yeah. it just about the fact that they're vegetarians vegetables? well no, i think you
0: hit it on the head this is a group of people that are committed as a community to right. eating differently than the average american right and so it's called the garden of eden diet mm-hmm. which you can imagine me yep. largely plant-based yep. Yep. a yep. lot of them are lacto ovo ovo i don't know how to pronounce that word vegetarians where it's all vegetables right except for milk and eggs
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: no drinking no alcohol right no caffeine
1: yeah And their day of rest is spent active. A
0: weekly day of no work, Uh but it's not sit on your couch. Right. They will typically go on hikes, definitely spending time with their entire family with no Wi-Fi, you know, like no internet.
1: Yeah. Cool. I would be curious to look at Sardinia next to just get an idea because I know that there was some conversations about this during COVID. And so I would love mm-hmm. to know more about what happened.
0: Consider it done. Okay, cool. But there's one more thing that is a tenant in this community that they contribute to this longer life. And that is the importance of being there for friends and community. Oh, yeah. A large volunteerism
1: uh-huh. philosophy. Uh-huh.
0: So that's fascinating. There's a cluster of people in this country that live longer than everybody else on average, and it can be contributed to these specific things.
1: To really, really understand Blue Zone theory, Blue Zone life or whatever, we would need to do more studies about actually the size of the community. Right. Like, because there's only 24,000 people and we're all on the same island and we all know each other and we all, you know... Mm -hmm there's the good and the bad of that we all know that like small rural areas there's a lot more gossip there's blah 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 but at the same token it's also like are we really spread out from each other or are we all on top of each other okay this is the sociologist in me where i want to like stu- i want to get in there and study the blue zones i will bring you that
0: data <laughs> Since the last time we got together with our friends at the table, you've had two events out here on the farm. Yes. The first one I don't want to talk about mm-hmm. was huge.
1: It was hugely awesome. It was, it was hugely successful, I was and blown it was away. hugely intentional. That's the best way to put it. It was the first ever day on the farm, right? And we opened up the gates at a certain time. We priced it by the car load, and every car that came in between eight thirty a.m. and five p.m. paid one price. But we had ongoing, and I kind of like the way you've described it, although it's certainly not this huge, but you've described it as having like different stages for ACL. So like we didn't necessarily have it exactly that way, but like- Oh, that's
0: exactly where it needs to go. Yeah, that's
1: the development of day of activities. And so the day of activities succinctly was garden tours and garden talks, lunch, lunch, There had been a goat roasting all afternoon, Mm -hmm. and we served a goat roast dinner. And
0: while you're here, you're free to roam, see the animals.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: We met a family that came in and had no idea what to expect because... They'd never been here before. And you'd never done this exactly
1: before. Right, exactly.
0: And they stayed... A large majority of the day when they learned that there was, because they were genuinely interested. Like, we want to do this at our house. Right. So I spent a lot of time with them in the chicken run, showing them the coop and everything. You spent time with them at every single, of the tours, the classes, and they left and were so happy that this resource existed.
1: Well, I think the big deal about that particular family that was awesome was that she had been following me on my Aislinn Campbell Live page where I do my live every Sunday morning. Right. And I so was talking she, about a
0: different family than the well, one you're talking about. <laughs> it happened
1: more than once. Oh, yeah. There were a lot of families. But interesting to me, what I loved about it most was that there was families that came from other places. So, yes, we're only a 25-minute drive from Corpus Christi, but we had people that were here from San Antonio and the Valley, both specifically looking for certain types of information. And one right. of the families came up from the Valley because she's been watching me on my lives that I do every Sunday morning on my Aislinn Campbell business page. That was so much fun because they traveled here purposefully to see what we're doing because they're trying to make a transition from a suburban area into a rural area.
0: She said, yeah, I watch you live and uh-huh. that's Joe. She
1: knew us and all. That's Kaishan. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah.
0: Kai Even came my over.
1: mom, my mom goes, she knew me. She walked up to me and t- said, I know you, you're Vicky. <laughs> like. This is hilarious you
0: taught a class with a huge cluster of people that were there to learn about small bed gardening and then the kids come up and plant a flower And
1: that was a lot of it fun. was amazing
0: I was yeah. so 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 yeah. proud of you
1: this was to me this was an evolutionary event without here at the a farm doubt. without a yeah. doubt and for those of you that have listened to the podcast since the beginning and you kind of know the transition because you know that I was the executive director of Girl Local when all of this started and then I transitioned and then I left my job and then I changed and then da, 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 right. And then we moved out here and all of that stuff. So you've gotten to hear the process of me going from being the executive director of a nonprofit that was actually here that day, which is another whole like... Amazing touch on the cake of awesomeness that was that day.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting, we didn't talk about the farm stand. And, oh
1: yeah. Fa- oh, we're going to talk about that. Cause I want to have conversations about the farmers because now I'm in the farmer circuit again. Like I'm having farmer conversations and it's, it's real and it makes me so feel good. Do you use that voice? Um, I do a little bit okay. cause I want to make sure they know I'm real. I'm real. <laughs> I'm real good at it. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it so much, but I have had a lot of nerves about event planning.
0: Especially about the first big ones. Here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I've been planning events literally since I was very young and putting things on and starting up events and doing these things. But
0: that was a big literally,
1: <laughs> literally
0: you and I have planned so many events together. We have our rhythm, we have our method,
1: but I don't want to necessarily, that's the thing I was going to say about evolutionary. I'm trying to transition myself. I've even told you the recent days, I'm trying to control my central nervous system. I'm trying to actively intentionally move through these events at the farm to create the most special welcoming environment for anyone that wants to come out and, and see it For real, see regenerative agriculture occurring, see people living on a small homestead, raising animals, raising food, feeding people. With
0: more and more people, I mean, I I encounter having a desire to move there. We were at um, one of our little haunts, those places we get a snack on the way home. A couple comes up we hadn't seen in a long time. Yeah. And, you know, let them know we'd moved and everything. And God, they had so many questions.
1: Yeah. Before you know it, we're talking about everything.
0: Yeah. I, I want to do chickens in my backyard. Right. There is no reason for you not to.
1: Well, how do I know when to harvest my potatoes? You <laughs> know, it's <laughs> like, so it's, people have the these doc- kinds of questions. The doctor questions. is in. What's they this thing on my elbow? They have these
0: kinds of curiosities, you know, and, yes, and, of and there aren't a lot of options. Well, you can see it like that.
1: Well, especially here, which is one of the things that really happened that was cool. Like, A, you've got people that have driven down for events from San Antonio, from Rio Grande Valley, but also we had this family drive over from Corpus Christi, so mm-hmm. a 25-minute drive, and he tells me that he's involved in Battleground a Breaky Ground, and he's looking for a farm to work on, and it would be a heck of a lot easier for him to do his hours that he needs to do for that project, for that program, At a farm that's 25 minutes away rather than a farm that's two hours away.
0: What is the program?
1: Battleground for Breaking Ground is military, active military usually, or even veterans that are transitioning from the battleground to agriculture.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: So it's a federally funded project and they basically teach them, they're young farmers they call it young or new farmers is what they consider them, but they're new farmers. And they're teaching regenerative? They're teaching all kinds of things. They're teaching small and homestead. Mm -hmm. But it's also a matter of like what you want to get involved in. Cause I'm sure that there's a battleground of breaking grounds where you are getting involved in larger scale commodity production. If that's the kind of agriculture you want to be involved in. I'm with you. To have Jaime Bustos and Andrew Edelin, both local farmers out here, talking about farming, looking at what I'm doing, and then this young active military family coming here to see so that they can go, okay, well, we could work this into our program and we can be a part of this. Because back when I started down this road, there was no education available. If you wanted to learn anything about permaculture, sustainable agriculture, regenerative agriculture, organic agriculture, you had to go minimally, six to eight hours away. Hmm. Or truthfully, you might have to go fly to Oregon or California, parts of New York state, and stay there for like six weeks straight. And when I started down this road, I was a mother with two young children. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn with my hands in the dirt. As the years have gone by, we now have these things available because there were people that were willing to put the flag in the sand. And the fact that we were Getting it two hours away in San Antonio was a big deal to me a few years ago. Right. But now someone coming out and saying, you're 25 minutes away. And then I start thinking, okay, Jaime Bustos, Andrew Edelin, Sarah Shrubar, all the families, uh, Turkey Hollow. How do we get everybody with some battleground to breaking ground people at their, because we're a military community. So how do we get the connection going there? How do we start developing some creating of those programs? opportunities
0: even in addition to this one.
1: Absolutely. So
0: the people don't have to drive two hours.
1: Absolutely. To do so the that, meat
0: part or the, yeah, I'm with you.
1: This was a real struggle for me when I started down this road. It's actually why I ended up doing what I did because it wasn't available. So we had to build the network. It wasn't just Corpus Christi, and Corpus Christi is still fairly small. Luckily, I was involved, and I'm going to give myself a pat on the back for that. Luckily, because I have a big mouth, and I made sure that the people that were in Rio Grande Valley and in San Antonio, that were going to have a little bit more money available to them to do these types of things. We're going to grow fast so that Corpus Christi could exist right in the middle of it, trying to keep something going so that at some day... Our people here don't have to drive two hours, three hours, or fly for six weeks to Oregon or something ridiculous like that. I know it's an exciting time for me. And I was purposeful about it, Joe. I set intentions to have the kind of day that was exactly what the right people that needed to come for that first event, everyone was going to benefit from that day. And It
0: was a good day.
1: I believe that everyone that was here, whether they were here volunteering their time because there were people that did that or paid for a meal or brought their farm products to sell, I believe that everyone that was here benefited in some way.
0: We've talked about our long lunch clubs and farm-to-table dinners that we've done out here. You know, the salon coming up will be a fusion basically of those two things. There is an expectation when you come that farm-to-table food will be available.
1: Oh, and yeah. I thought you
0: did it perfect. It was yeah. a add-on lunch.
1: Yes. Optional. Yep.
0: Bring your own lunch, whatever. Yeah. But if you're out here.
1: We've got lunches.
0: And an add-on dinner. That's that right. That was the goat roast that yep. we talked about a couple weeks ago yep. was the test run for this dinner. Exactly.
1: And it was a huge success. Huge success.
0: You have talked about the courses in the long lunch club uh-huh. that you do every time uh-huh. of the like spread of charcuterie.
1: The tasting. The local taste is the, always the first round mm-hmm. at a dinner table event here. We've
0: talked on the show about the concept of a plowman's lunch mm-hmm. a couple yes. of times.
1: We've explained exactly what that is.
0: So you decided to offer a plowman's lunch.
1: Yep. I said that this day was so intentional. Every piece of it I was trying to think about... If I was having to do that all by myself, Mm -hmm. how would I pull it off? The idea of taking the plowman's lunch, which we do all the time, charcuterie board, the whole concept, and putting it into an actual box, a lunch box, like truly making an awesome farm to table lunchable for everybody that was here. And I had them all packaged up and ready to go as soon as people were here. And I honestly believe that that piece, so I had a little bit of a hard time selling it. People weren't sure you know, what this was. But then when people got here and we were eating it, the ones that had it, because of course, if you were volunteering here and working your tail off and helping me out, I had a lunchbox for you.
0: We met that cool couple. She was from the UK. Right. They. Oh, that was a fun their ticket. story. They bought their ticket on the way here. Yep. And they got here right at lunchtime.
1: Right. I had just gotten into the pavilion and the husband walks in and he's got the little girl and I'm saying, Hey, I've got lunches. Are you guys got, and he's like, I have no idea what my wife bought. I'm not sure. She's getting the baby with the diaper in the car. She'll be over in just a second. And I'm like, okay, well let her know that what we've got are plowman's lunch boxes. And I go and apply. Like, I'm about to tell him what a Plowman's Lunch is. And he goes, oh, no, no, no. I know what a Plowman's Lunch is. My wife's from the UK. And I'm just (laughs) like, I can't even tell you how happy that made me because it was just like, this is the coolest thing ever, ever. So then he goes, I'm going to get one no matter what, whether she's paid for one or not, we will pay for it. And I'm like, all right, so here's your lunchbox. So he takes the lunchbox, he goes, sits down. Oh yeah, by the way, it comes with homemade strawberry ice cream. When you're done with that, he's like, oh, his little daughter's eyes just get like as big as silver mm-hmm. dollars. She's so excited. Now it's starting to get busy in the lunchroom, you know, it's lunchboxes are being passed out. And- people are going over to the farm store and buying lunch boxes. Cause I made enough to sell so we that
0: people had bought lunch boxes that weren't there yet. And we right. knew that they would show up soon. So I'm just go- I'm going back and forth to the gate to you know make sure everyone's checked in properly.
1: She is eating off of his lunch box and she's eating she's talking to whatever. And then all of a sudden she just gets up and she goes, I'm just going to go ahead and get one more of these. <laughs> and she gets another lunch box. And the whole time we're just talking about food. Cause that's how I do it with the long lunch clubs. Like, I'm gonna spend the time talking about the food that we're eating. So I went to the lunchroom and had lunch with everybody, and we talked about farm to table lunchables basically. And we talked so about what the all was farm in that thing because it
0: was incredible.
1: Yeah, it was pork loin, smoked pork loin, which I actually think of all the things at this point, that's my favorite thing to put on any kind of charcuterie. I love it. It's like a big chunk of ham and it's delicious. So that comes from Turkey Hollow. Then there was also some uh, smoked sausage from Turkey Hollow. I think it's beef. And then the last one was a venison summer sausage that we had had made here at the farm. Then we had the, whole, the boiled egg, like you had mentioned. Right. Then it also had all kinds of pickled things, candied jalapenos, maple bacon candied pecans, several kinds of pickles, panella cheese from Canali Dairy, carrots that I had grown, strawberries from Poteet. And a little to-go cup with the lid on it. It was so cute. I ordered those to-go on my boxes. You can imagine these, you mm-hmm. guys. With kimchi that my mom had made on it. It led me to understand that I can create all kinds of like day-long retreats out here. Right. That's the evolutionary lunch concept box. of it. Yeah. yeah. And the fact well, the that the lunchbox
0: we... that people come to know was like, I got to get the lunchbox.
1: You got to get the lunchbox. Oh, and I loved the fact that <laughs> my dad got his lunchbox, right? And so my parents are around... But they weren't like deeply involved no, they in the weren't whole in it, day. In it, yeah. yeah. So my dad gets his lunchbox and he goes inside and he's hanging out and enjoying his Saturday inside mm-hmm. his house, whatever, and pulls open his lunchbox. And of course, my dad loves all the snacks like I do. He eats the cheese and the smoked meats and the pickles. And... Your
0: parents, like us, if they go to a restaurant that has a cheese board or charcuterie, uh-huh. they're probably going to order it.
1: Yeah. So he opens this thing up and my mom was so happy to tell me he was like, She only charged $22 for this thing. This is really a lot of food. I don't know why he sounded like that, by the Uh way. She only charged $22 for this thing. Anyways, you you, you all get the point I'm making. I was even daddy price approved. I did a good job. I was so proud of that lunchbox and I'm so excited to be able to do it for the future. I've been talking about doing some kind of a mom's day event at the farm. I'm not 100% sure that it's going to come together this May because the yoga teacher that I want to work with, our timing isn't aligning. But the concept that we would do would be a mom's day on the farm where it's like yoga and meditation and we still do some gardening classes and then we have our lunch and we have our ice cream and it's this really nice day on the farm where mom brings dad and teaches dad how to do homesteading type things or shows him what things actually look like. Does dad or do yoga? mom comes on out by herself and leaves everybody at home and does some yoga and meditation.
0: Can dads
1: do yoga? I think dad should do yoga.
0: But then that second event this week was a long lunch club.
1: So right after, and that's one of the things that I've begun doing with my events and things like that is trying to double them back to back as closely as closely as I can with some prep room in between. That's a really good way to do it. And what ends up happening when you do that, and I told the folks at the table today, every month when I do the long lunch club, when I built that event from the beginning, it was, let me educate people at a nice dinner table event where we talk and we talk about the food and we have lunch together, but let me teach them about overflow of abundance and the idea that what I've got is what I serve. And so of course, a couple days after a goat roast, we're going to have an overabundance of goat. Correct. Even a couple of days before the day on the farm, I bought extra strawberries from Potit. Mom, make a double batch of homemade ice cream. Okay. Got it. Joe, what are we going to do with goat?
0: Well, I can tell you what we're not going to do is make a...
1: Cigarelli.
0: You said let's do carne guisada.
1: Well, listeners already know that I think you can put anything in a taco.
0: Oh, God, yeah.
1: Yeah. How do I bring goat to a community that might have scared feelings about eating goat? People in South Texas love carne guisada.
0: It is so good.
1: Okay, Joe, can you make goat guisada?
0: So, yes, of course. The answer is yes.
1: One thing I know about Indian, Greek, different restaurants like that, a lot of the places that use goat is that they serve a lot of yogurt with things. And because I have an overabundance of coriander right y- now, right. what can I do with yogurt and coriander as a dip that we can put with the goat to make this delicious dish.
0: And you recipe bombed me.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: So goat gasada real quick. What I suggest you do if you don't have the goat is just make yourself some beef gasada. Carne is carne, right?
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Beef, you use stew meat. I'm using the goat that came off the goat roast, Mm -hmm. leftovers. Mm -hmm. And I know it's got that flavor profile to it, which is not a Mexican flavor profile. So this is going to be an interesting kind of build. I didn't brown the meat for the entire time, but you're supposed to brown your stew meat, raw stew meat, with your onions and green pepper. I did the onions and green pepper and then threw the goat meat in a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Use tomato sauce or tomato. I use tomato. Mm-hmm. Use garlic powder or fresh garlic. I used fresh. Mm-hmm. Cumin, salt, pepper. I didn't salt and pepper it because it had been spiced prior to being roasted. Mm-hmm. Then I can add two. I can build, build, build. Yep. Sprinkle flour over it. I used arrowroot. Add some chicken stock and mix it and cook it for an hour and a half covered. And I started checking it in an hour because our meat was already cooked. But this is stewing it, you know, yeah. it's just tenderizing yeah. it. So I think you came home from a thing. I said, hey, taste the meat. Yep. And we cooked it for about half an hour longer.
1: Yep, and it was great. We did a test run because we had to. Right,
0: that was our dinner the night before so the So it was event. our dinner
1: the night before, and it was delicious with the yogurt coriander sauce on top of it. Mm-hmm.
0: That was just four ingredients. Yogurt, really, really finely chopped, coriander, lime juice, and salt.
1: Yeah, and I had gotten the idea from Joe Canali, who sells us the dairy mm-hmm. products, When I purchased the panela at the farmer's market, he said, you should try toasting that. Like a paneer cheese. Yes. So I did that on the tacos with some delicious lettuce that Jaime Bustos had grown and some of my beautiful green onion, green scallions on top of it. Nice. Served alongside with a squeeze of lime juice, because that's the thing about goat. If you've ever got any fear, and I'm serving goat to people that are like, probably not goat connoisseurs, add a little bit of tart, yogurt, lime types of flavors to it. And then on the side of that, I said, can you do Spanish rice for me, please?
0: Sure. Spanish rice is easy, but I had to make a big bunch of it because you had guests. Right. You brown your rice in oil. You're you're frying the rice Mm -hmm. dry, like uncooked Mm -hmm. until it's golden brown. Then you're adding your broth that it cooks in, tomato sauce, salt, garlic, cumin. And I had thrown some onion and tomato diced into the rice at the end of the cook to cook mm-hmm. that into it as well
1: right so when i'm testing the food the night before right i've got my carne asada goat carne asada taco
0: i've got my head on my hands I'm and waiting I'm your verdict
1: noshing the bites on that and then i start eating on the rice i think to myself literally and then i say out loud you're not going to win any awards in south texas with this spanish rice and with the absence <laughs>
0: of ego in my life I just accepted that criticism well, knowing that is, it was accurate. Know. It wasn't. This is what White gives men rice. White can't
1: cook Spanish rice.
0: No, that's not what it is because <laughs> I have cooked it successfully. But this is Jesus. the kind of Spanish rice that you get in a Mexican food restaurant where clearly they're just adding carbs to the plate to make you feel like you've spent enough money. Right. It's not special.
1: Right. You said, can
0: you do anything to make this special? Yeah. (laughs) So at the end of the night when I'm cleaning the kitchen and putting everything away, I put it in the biggest bowl that we have. Uh Uh-huh. And I add your cilantro salt. Uh Uh-huh. Some garlic powder. You know, I'm Uh trying to just give this some kind of zip. Toss it, toss it, toss it, toss it. Put it in the fridge. I did not taste it before you served
1: it. Yeah. Well, apparently... There was somebody at the table who said it was the best Spanish rice they'd ever eaten. So you actually got an award in South Texas for that Spanish rice. I was wrong.
0: <laughs> Do not deny my powers. You are amazing. Do I love you. Do not deny my
1: powers. <laughs> well, it was a delicious meal. And of course, because we'd had the Plowman's lunch... At the beginning of it, we served the local taste. Right. Then it had this beautiful plate of carne quesada and Spanish rice. And then we followed it up with a bowl of my mom's delicious homemade strawberry ice cream with those poteet strawberries. Yeah, it's nice
0: that there is a place in our area where you, once a month, can go get the exact kind of lunch that we travel two, three hours for often.
1: Breaking boundaries. And that's what I saw with this day on the farm and the fact that we've been doing these farm-to-table dinners from time to time, these long lunch clubs, and that we're pulling off our dinner table talk salon on mm. May the 6th.
0: You got to come.
1: These are things that we wanted. And that's, that is literally the foundation of our relationship. Yep. If you it want doesn't it, exist, don't wait around
0: it. in this community because it's going to probably take a while to get here. Make it yourself.
1: And when we travel around and we look at all of those things and we say, can we do this in Corpus Christi? And then we come home, and we do the ones that mean the most to us. Because somewhere out there in the ether, floating around is a food truck that makes only pie. Mm
0: -hmm. And coffee. (laughs) Pie
1: and coffee. Yeah, that's That's our food
0: truck idea. (laughs) Pie and coffee.
1: Someone please do that. I do not want to run a pie and coffee food truck. There is
0: no great place after a 7 p.m. movie in our town to go get an assortment of desserts and great coffee. So that's a food truck right there. Just pie and coffee.
1: Just pie and coffee.
0: Let's bring this episode home with our random question of the week.
1: All right, I got a question for you. I have an answer. Somebody gives you a billboard space. Okay. What do you put on it?
0: Freedom Harvest Farms. I know.
1: (laughs) All of a sudden, I was like, duh, Freedom Harvest Farms.
0: So take that off the table as an option?
1: Yeah, I uh, noticed that the farmer's market in Victoria... The Golden Crescent Food Bank started that farmer's market a few years after I started the downtown farmer's market. Mm-hmm. So their market manager and the person that's in charge of that has been in touch with me all of these years. And I noticed the other day that they got a billboard. Okay. Everything about what they're doing with their marketing over the last 24 months that I've seen is like on point. And they are growing a massively good farmer's market in Victoria. And I told her that. That's the kind of area when I that, said that
0: billboards would work. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah,
1: no, here billboards would work as well. Yeah. You had to just get it in the right strategic place. But the way that you sell a farmer's market is put a billboard as close as you can to the farmer's market and say every Saturday or every Wednesday, farmer's market. So that yeah. anybody that drives into your town, especially in a tourist community, knows where the farmer's market is.
0: Many years ago, our big town got a digital billboard that's like a big PowerPoint slideshow. Mm-hmm. And you pay for a rotation. Mm-hmm. So, the guys in town that own two of the biggest music venues purchased a large rotation, but then sublet out some of their space. So, you could go in and get, like, basically billboard by the day or by the week, mm-hmm. and you could pay for a very small share. Mm-hmm. And I did that personally for when I had that radio program. Uh-huh. I took a picture of it uh-huh. and I thought to myself, ooh, I made it. Uh, <laughs> So I thought to myself, what a cool thing to have, like to, like a nonprofit or something that in my, in my mind always goes to nonprofit on these, that sublets out a portion of that and then sub sublets it out to local nonprofits. Because I would put a grow local that go to the farmer's market. I would yeah. put K-Space, you know, to talk about the ones that we're doing the fundraisers for, but the local plays, I mean, that kind of exposure would be big. So I think I would share it with local nonprofits is my answer. If it's not the farm
1: if if i'm being completely honest i'd like for you to be i actually think that the podcast is the one that should go up there because that's one of those things it's like oh we're driving into corpus christi what what does corpus christi offer you oh they have a podcast yeah oh that's fun i'm gonna listen to that i listen to one podcast because it's corpus christi and i'm in corpus christi Whatever. I'll
0: ask the guy if we can do that for a day.
1: Maybe we could do the fundraiser on the billboard for dinner table talks. That'd be kind of cool. Raise a bunch of money. The first ever day on the farm.
0: Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the
1: meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you.
0: And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you.